talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Ted and Lisa are in the newsroom. Will is on the board and Ontario has flattened the fourth wave curve. Just like the Thai Cats absolutely flatten the Argos. Here's Scott Thompson. There you go. Good afternoon. It is 3.08. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Will on the board. And Lisa picking the song today. Hey, that was pretty cool. What is that? Tell us about that. So that's my favorite band of all time. That's the Decemberists. And the song is called Down by the Water. It's uh, Decemberists. I have never heard of them. Is that new? Oh, gosh. No, they've been around for maybe... 16 almost two decades at this point yeah i'm so out of touch i'm so out of stuff when i first the first when i heard the first couple of bars i almost thought springsteen i thought wow it's got a very good sound to it. it's very cool they've actually um these uh songs are they've got a couple of these songs and they're influenced by rem and actually rem yep. guitarist peter buck w- played on that song so ah, if you like rem you yeah 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 no i've seen rem a couple of times all right very cool man that is uh good for you decemberists that's them and what was that song called? Down by the Water. Down by the Water. Down by uh, down by the Water in a van. All right. Uh, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was great. Decemberist. Lisa picking the song. Everybody gets a chance. I'm thinking it's Teddy tomorrow, so Motown. I don't know. All right. Uh, feel free to jump into the conversation. We would love to hear from you. Lots of ways to do that. Send us a note via the website, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. The phone lines are always open at 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. My wife's just shaking her head uh, at me in the doors here uh, of my little hole uh, because apparently she's a little bit more advanced in the music than I am. All right, so what? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, feel free to jump into the uh, conversation, Facebook and Twitter as well. Phone lines open. If uh, you want to uh, ride shotgun with us, we would love to hear from you. Uh, another big day, another big day in the news, and uh, we're going to uh, try to encompass, encompass as much of it as, as we possibly can. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been a, a, a bizarre our pandemic, especially as we're getting to this point of it, and we've had lots of time to think about it, lots of time to stew about it, lots of time to be fatigued and 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 just plain exhausted over all of it. And you know, during the first wave or so, uh, the headspace was it was certainly one way, and then a little different as we're at this stage of the pandemic. We're seeing that with uh, vaccine certificates and such. But perhaps I think the most prominent switch or change or surprise that we've all seen is how um, now we're seeing protests or we at least did during the election and hopefully that's dying down now that the election's over and all that garbage is out of the way um, but but people protesting at hospitals and you might remember the beginning of all of this you know we were standing out on our front porch and our balconies banging pots and pans every night at seven o'clock in appreciation of healthcare workers. And this has gotten so bad that the Canadian Medical Association has launched I Stand with Hell Workers, uh, Health Workers. I Stand with Health Workers. It's a campaign encouraged, uh, encouraging Canadians to show their support and appreciation of healthcare workers by adding filters to their Facebook and Instagram accounts or using the hashtag Stand with Health Workers. Uh, and again, it's just bizarre that we're even talking about this and having this conversation. Let's bring in Dr. Alika Lafontaine, President-elect Canadian Medical Association, and is with us now. Doctor, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. For sure. Thanks for having me. Are you surprised that at this stage of this pandemic uh, that you're now launching a campaign that is trying to support healthcare workers and, and get Canadians to show their attention, especially how far we've come? You know, I I can appreciate what people have been going through in this pandemic. You know, it's affected our lives as private citizens as well as working within the healthcare system. The idea that people always understand in real time what's actually going on in the crises that are evolving in the course of these different waves, unless they're receiving care or unless they work within the healthcare system, I mean, that's understandable. And so it's campaigns like this that help to raise awareness to help ensure everybody's aware of what's actually going on. You know, it's amazing you say that because I remember talking to experts at the beginning of this campaign, at the, sorry, at the beginning of uh, this pandemic, the first and second wave, and we were discussing about one of the benefits of this 
what we were all going through is that people seem to be more aware of the healthcare system, more aware of the, the weak links in the chain and, and what needed to be done. Uh, and, and yet now it, it seems that it has become a target. Are you surprised that they're using a medical facility? Why would they, why would they protest a healthcare facility in your mind as opposed to a, a political uh, institution or, or, or office or such? You know, although it's a small proportion of patients, uh, you know, the frustration that people have felt building over the course of each one of these subsequent waves uh, has to be expressed somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, persons who are out there uh, protesting are expressing their anger about how this pandemic has impacted their lives. Now, that's the wrong place to address your anger. You know, the persons within that facility are there to help you. You know, we've been trained to serve you and make sure that we help to optimize your health. Uh, also, patients are coming in and out of that institution like it's unfair to them as well. But but people are looking at a place to direct their frustration, which I, I think is a very human experience. And, you know, that's something that, that I acknowledge, although in the same breath I say, you know, this is the wrong place for you to be frustrated. When do you think the tide turned, doctor? I think it really turned when the political tone started to move towards it being over. Yeah. You know, I think with the advent of vaccinations, everyone felt that these waves just wouldn't occur again. Uh, I think some of the misunderstanding around, you know, the Delta variant and how it spreads and how one shot isn't enough to actually protect you with the Delta variant. You need two and how public health interventions are part of a broad toolkit that we need to sometimes implement completely when it comes to different states of surge. Um, and so that, that tone really led people to this place where they were hoping everything would be over and we'd be able to move right. on. And the reality is we're not there yet. So tell us about this campaign. What's the objective here? I, I think the objective is really to communicate to providers and to patients that supporting each other is the way that we're going to make it through not just this way, but also through rebuilding our healthcare system. You know, people are exhausted, people are frustrated, but those who have been providing care in these unprecedented times are also exhausted and are also tired. And being able to create that space for people to show appreciation and for them to understand each other's lived experience, I think is really what we're trying to achieve through this campaign. Do you think this um, this negativity towards or protest towards healthcare workers that, that we've seen is this increasing or is this dying down now that we're out of the election campaign? I, I think it will come in waves. You know, people have to express ongoing frustration in different ways. Um, I think it will circle back as long as we don't have decisive political leadership that actually leads us out of this pandemic. Um, and once again, it's it's a human experience. And so if we create different ways for people to deal with their frustration, hopefully we'll avoid those circumstances where you have people outside of hospitals protesting or creating unsafe situations for patients or providers that are that are either receiving care or providing care. So uh, what what sort of help do you need for, from us? What are you looking for people to do here? You know, number one, get vaccinated. <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> if, yes. If <laughs> you know, it's, it's go get your first, go get your second shot. Um, if you have hesitancy, speak with a healthcare provider. We're here to answer questions. We understand that people need to have certain types of information to make informed decisions. The, the second thing is to remember that we're not through this pandemic yet. You know, uh, instituting public health guidelines, wearing your masks when you're out in public, limiting, you know, your, your contact with others helps us avoid this situation, which brings us into a conflict with each other. And keep in mind that those in the hospital are, are there working to provide you care, and those who are receiving care are among the most vulnerable in our population. These protests are not... Uh, the right place to to be doing at these locations. Dr. Alika Lafontaine with us, President-elect of the Canadian Medical Association. They have launched a I Stand with Health Workers campaign, encouraging Canadians to show their support and appreciation of health workers by uh, adding the hashtag, hashtag Stand with Health Workers. It's amazing we even need to do this after everything they have done for us, but we have to support our health care and frontline workers uh, and the Canadian Medical Association trying to do that. Dr. 
thanks for the time. Be well. Thanks for having the chat. All right, with the stories in the news, uh, for example, just today, 39 miners uh, rescued in Sudbury, that mine outside of Sudbury, the last uh, few people coming up at about 4 o'clock this morning. And then the return of the two Michaels after being held and detained in China uh, in uh, what we would call uh, torturous conditions. Uh, them now on soil. What is life like for them now? Let's bring in Yute Lawrence, CEO and founder of PTSD Association of Canada and is with us now. Yute, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Yes, I am. Thank you. So how did you start this association? What was the catalyst for you? Well, uh, we started it, uh, this was about 2006. We had been diagnosed with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in 1999 after the accident near Windsor. And uh, I asked one of the clinicians if I could volunteer with a PTSD association. And she said, well, there isn't one. So basically, we started uh, the first standalone PTSD association in North America in November of 2006. And we should explain you were involved, you and your husband involved in a very traumatic car accident, a series of accidents along the 401 and heavy fog, which which saw a, a tremendous amount of, of tragedy. What made you decide you, the best route for you was to help? Well, I mean, uh, after an event like that, you don't really know what is happening to you because um, you're not the same person you were before the accident. And I kept asking myself, uh, why did I go through this? And then since I was unable to uh, function right after the accident and uh, a few years after in my magazine business, um, I thought there has to be something else. And at that time, there was not really very much known about PTSD and uh, often misdiagnosed, or actually still is. But I thought that basically uh, PTSD was something for Vietnam veterans. And mm. anyway, so when I realized that there are all kinds of people and conditions that can cause PTSD, I thought that I would uh, step up and bring some information to people who, who need it. Basically. You you talked about PTSD, you know, you're thinking of soldiers and, and those that have experienced battle. Obviously, what you saw, um, although not in, you know, a battlefield per se, you're looking at a lot of the, the same sort of scenarios, which obviously caused your trauma. What about in something like, for example, the two Michaels or even these 39 miners who they do that every day? Uh, and then this incident happens. They certainly weren't exposed to the, the trauma uh, that you were, but does it affect people differently in that respect? Uh, oh, it affects different uh, people differently, and it, it can come from all kinds of different areas. Uh, uh, you know, first responders, somebody uh, losing a spouse or someone they love, a natural disaster, you name it. It, it can cause uh, PTSD. But there are three requisites for emotional trauma. And one is it is unexpected. It is something you can't prepare for. And it is something that you can do nothing to prevent. And I would mm. think in the cases of the uh, people in China and the minors, that totally applies. Now, uh, it's known that not everyone um, experiences PTSD. In fact, PTSD uh, is usually not diagnosed until you've had those symptoms for about three months. Hmm. Uh, because some people can recover and some people cannot. In my case, uh, I had symptoms almost immediately, 
But, of course, I had no idea what was wrong with me. It was everybody else's fault. Going back to the office, I, I couldn't concentrate. I uh, blamed people for uh, interrupting me. And basically, I really wasn't doing anything. But I did experience, uh, uh, which, again, I didn't recognize at the time. But I experienced... Uh, a, a deep sense of helplessness. Uh, I kind of lost my confidence, uh, but also I was I was numb. And then other times I was uh, totally aroused. I was sort of jockeying between numbness and hyper arousal, which is really exhausting. Wow. Wow. What advice, what advice do you have for those who think they may be experiencing this from something traumatic? Where do they start? Well, I uh, truly think they need to start looking for help, uh, talking to their family doctor. And you know what? I know that that is not the easiest thing either for people to get that kind of help because there are way too many people out there with PTSD right now, and we don't have enough caretakers or clinicians that can look after this huge load of people. Um, But, yeah, seeking professional help, it's like uh, having a gash on your head and you think that leaving it uh, is going to make it better, that it will Mm. heal itself. It won't heal itself. You do need the help. Once you get to a point where you can at least start to think for yourself, you do have to show up for yourself, right? It's like the wound when you get home after stitches. You need to look after those uh, that, that wound and let mm. it heal. The other thing is that not everybody is given the time to heal this invisible wound it's nobody else can see it they don't understand it they want you to get on with it and that is definitely a compounding effect of all all of those reactions Yute Lawrence with us, CEO, founder of the PTSD Association of Canada. You can find out more at PTSD Association, all one word, dot com. That's PTSD Association, all one word, dot com. Yute, thanks so much for being on with us and sharing your stories, and, and good luck moving forward. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yute with us, uh, founder of PTSD Association of Canada, after experiencing her own very traumatic experience. Catch up on the news and information you've missed. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Ted and Lisa, good to see you. Good to hear you. How are you doing today? Beautiful day today. Beautiful day yesterday and uh, off tomorrow. So, you know. You know, it, you know you're getting old when you talk about what a beautiful day it is in the neighborhood. Yeah, it, well, look at it. I, I Mr. Love the Michaels. Fall. <laughs> I, I love the fall and this is perfect weather this is beautiful i uh, it, it is going to be absolutely spectacular uh for the next couple of weeks because it seems that the leaves are turning later this year i don't know if you've noticed that yes See, that's they are. another thing an old guy lisa's probably going really i have no idea oh no By i notice way. i'm appreciative <laughs> there you go well i don't know what the word is appreciative here of course you're appreciative it's just we're just old guys that's what it is <laughs> who have to clean uh, up the leaves off the yeah, that's really, yeah, that's right. I never thought of that. Thanks for bringing me down See, there. there. I'm imagining go. the colors. Now I'm raking. Uh, All right, poll question of the day, and Will's going to give us an update here. Uh, will you be using a business that is flaunting the Ontario Vaccine Certificate Program? You got an update here, Will? Yeah, 82% of respondents say no. All right, Teddy, what are your thoughts? Add me to that uh, number. Uh, there was no way, because I want to keep uh, myself and those around me safe, and if they're... F- flaunting it um by the way i've noticed that there are some businesses that are flaunting the rules and people that are replying to those uh, establishments on social media are getting eviscerated by those restaurants saying how dare you so uh once again scott we haven't learned people have to learn to play nice but no um i i will, will not go 
By the way, we're going to have one of those restaurant tours on after 5.30 to yep. talk about their position. Lisa, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I uh, I actually went to the movies over the weekend uh, for the first time since before the pandemic. And the only mm. reason I went was because of the vaccine certificate program. The fact that I knew everyone sitting around me eating their popcorn, taking off their masks. The only reason I went was because I knew they were vaccinated. So, yeah. I mean, I just don't feel comfortable being around people who yep. are openly flaunting dis, uh, d- disregarding the rules and putting other people at risk and not caring about their fellow person like it just it's frustrating well there's the there's the point right there so uh, no matter what you think no matter what you debate at the end of the day these sorts of businesses are going to attract what kind of customer ones that aren't vaccinated so you know whether you're you support their opinion or don't support their opinion why would you want to go to a restaurant where it appears that uh, they're not checking and my guess is the people that are going in and patronizing it are not vaccinated and, it doesn't make sense and I would suggest definitely down the road, and I'm suggesting it's going to happen every single one, but if one of these establishments ends up folding because they're not doing any business, are they going to complain that they didn't get the business and they couldn't keep their business open? So it's kind of a, a slippery slope, but uh, I, I have no 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 shame. I don't feel any regret, remorse, not frequenting those establishments. You know, I, ha- I think I've told this story, I don't know, to YouTube, but certainly on the radio before, I had a massage therapist, great, which I've had for 20 years, yep. absolutely love her. And then, uh, you know, a few months ago, had the discussion, oh, you know, the vaccine, yeah, I'm okay, blah, 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 and nope, not getting it. And none of the family's getting it, and or the kids. And I drove home and I thought, you know what, I don't feel good about this. And after 20 years, I said, you know, I, I respect your opinion and everything, but I don't feel comfortable in a healthcare environment with someone who's not vaccinated. I'm actually glad. And you I brought, haven't heard from her. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I have one booked next week, uh, but I have total faith and I know yeah. because when I booked the appointment I actually went in because it's not that far from here I went in with the mask and they were masked and we went through so everything's fine so uh but yeah. yeah but it's interesting that this person has responded to you after 20 years of you know yeah business. And, and and you know well you know I'll cancel your appointment uh, respect your opinion too but again yeah. the same thing is what you and Lisa were bringing up in regard to the restaurant so if the person doesn't care about those being vaccinated and here's the odd thing before I go in she stands there and reads me a list of all the precautions and what have you. So, again, you would assume that the people that are going there are the people that really don't care too much about the vaccination. So, if anything, you're probably more exposed in situations like that. So, what is she saying? She says that you have to follow all these rules, but she isn't? Yeah, well, all the rules except the vaccination part. That's uh, that's the part that's... All right, make so- sense! I know. I agree 100%. Uh, Pfizer announcing, or sorry, uh, Ontario Health Table announcing today they are recommending Pfizer for 18 to 24-year-olds uh, rather than Moderna because of a slight chance of heart inflammation. Um, do you think that sends mixed messaging again, or is that being transparent and giving us all the info we need to know? Here's the confusing part to me, is because we had the story, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, that they were actually changing the name of Pfizer and Moderna to some yeah. other names that nobody can ever. We're just getting used to this. We're just, you know, yeah. it's almost like a thing at a party. What did you get? Oh, I got Pfizer. Oh, I got yeah. Moderna. Now, all of a sudden, they're changing the name, but I'm digressing. Um, this is, a, again, a learning curve for all of us. And I'm sure that there's going to be some people that are confused, but it's interesting that they're talking about the 18 to 24 age group. And uh, the odds uh, that I had on the story at 4 o'clock. One in 5,000. Yep. For, uh, yeah. yep. <laughs> Moderna. I'm looking right at it. Yeah. And one in 28,000 for the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah. So, you know what? There are risks with everything, but um, I, you know, I just hope that people realize that, you know, this is for our good. You know, let's, let's. Do you think this is going to be an issue, Lisa, because it's a younger demo? Um, I think, and that's the the problem is that's the part of the population that still is kind of lagging yeah. behind in terms of vaccinations. Like these are the people that you're trying to reach, and then you're kind of sending them different messages. Um, mm-hmm. I I do see that that can be frustrating, and I know it is a learning curve, but I really think that maybe there needs to be less pomp and circumstance around these kind of big announcements. Maybe just don't make such a big deal out of them. Don't hold a press conference, things like that. This is my final point on oh, this, dear. though. Okay, no, 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 no. This is the thing. When, when you hear politicians 
or doctors or what have you saying, well, you know, a business is not going to be fine. We have to educate them. With all due respect, it's been 18 months of education. What don't you know by now? (laughs) Really? 18 months? Well, I think of people that selective education. They pick the education that supports the way that they feel. That's just the way it is. All right. Thank you, Chris. Do you remember the name Kareem Baratov? Um, yeah. Does that ring a bell? You might remember he was charged uh, and sentenced to five years in U.S. prison for his involvement in a Yahoo security hack of some sort. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. And John Wells of the Hamilton Spectator has got a great piece in today's spec on him. And it is entitled No More Crime. Ancaster's Kareem Baratov out of U.S. federal prison plans to publish memoir. And John Wells is with us now. John, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Thanks, Scott. Uh, you too. Good to be with you. So what was your takeaway after writing this piece? What was your takeaway of this person and what they are like now? Uh, Kareem Baratov, uh, he's, he, he's an interesting character, uh, is, I guess is the, is the takeaway. I, I, I hoped to, uh, to sit down with him in person. You know, the interview I did with him, as I mentioned, the story was, was done via email. That was, his, mm-hmm. that was the only way he would, he would answer questions. And, you know, you know, I always try to get a, a measure of someone I write about, you know, the best way, of course, is to be in person or, or at the very least talk on the phone, but we were emailing. And so you'd think that would sort of offer a limited window into someone. Uh, but but from just, just from our exchanges on messaging and then emailing, I uh, I felt like I got to tap into a little bit about what, what, what he's like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a fascinating character uh, who... Um, and unpredictable because he he had, he had at first uh, said he didn't want to answer any questions. He wanted to wait till this memoir is published. He wanted to do TV for it, but I I kind of said it might be nice to do a you know an advanced story before the book comes out. And he kind of quickly jumped on that bandwagon to a certain extent. So I was sort of struck by how I don't know, maybe impulsive or you know he, I think he still isn't sort of shying away from from attention in some ways, but he, he likes to call his own shots at the same time. So uh, did you get the feeling he was looking for the attention, whether it's to start a new career or what have you, he, he was looking for exposure? I think so, yes. I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he says he's written this, this manuscript, uh, and uh, although he, you know, he, he allows that he's not a professional writer and that sort of thing, but I think, yeah, no, I think he wants to get you know, sort of some advanced publicity for this book. For I mean, it may not come out for a long time if it comes out at all, but uh, I think he... He wants to sort of test the waters with his story, and uh, you know he had he had a fair bit of um, interest and, and concern over what what photos we might use of him to run the story. So I was, I was sort of quite struck by that, by you know someone who at first didn't want him to be involved, but then he was trying to you know kind of uh, send me in certain directions in terms of what pictures to use and you know, what would the headline be. I mean, it was, it was I, I found it quite uh, quite interesting. Uh, you know, there, there has to be an element of, of, of narcissism. Uh, to him, I think. I mean, although although these days, I mean, you know, maybe it's easy for me to say that. You know, it's his Facebook pictures, the Instagram stuff, it's all pretty flashy and flamboyant. But I guess a lot of people are like that, perhaps. But then again, not everyone has served a, fe- a time in federal pen uh, like he has, and yet he's still putting himself out there in some ways in a flamboyant sort of way. Did it appear that he had learned anything from his experience? That's a, that's a good question. No, I, I put that to him because his lawyer had told me uh, back in the several months ago when I did an update piece that you know that his clients that. You know, Baratov had learned some hard lessons, and uh, and, and I asked uh, Kareem on our questions, you know, what he had learned, and I thought his answer was kind of vague. You know, he just sort of talked about the biggest lesson is that is to not try to control something that I can't, and sometimes patience is the best solution. I'm part of me sort of thinking, like, what does that mean? And uh, hmm. you know, a, a, a colleague of mine, a colleague of mine said, you know, it doesn't sound like he's remorseful uh, at all. You know, what, you know, why didn't you write that in the story? I said, well, you know, it's not a column for one thing. I'm, I'm sort of, I played it straight. Right. And, you know, he, he, he does say, you know, no more crime and that he, he, you know, in the past he, he didn't appreciate morality and so on. So I, you know, between the lines, you could say that he's learned some lessons about, um, you know, right and wrong, but at the same time, um, it's an open question. Do we know anything about his life now or his family? He, uh, he, uh, he wouldn't tell me exactly where he was living. I mean, I said, you know, can we say you're back in the Hamilton area or, you know, or Southern Ontario? And he just wanted to say Ontario. He said he was concerned about harassment for his family. I mean, his case was highly publicized and there's you know, no, no shortage of people out there, perhaps, who were, uh, victimized by the hack who, who might want to cause him some, some trouble, I suppose. Uh, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't say much about that, uh, in terms of where his family's living. 
Um, and I asked what he's up to these days, and he said he's, he's, he's hitting the gym a lot and spending time with loved ones, and that's, and that's all he would say uh, uh, in terms of what he's up to now. He didn't say anything about his future other than this memoir. Just yeah, just the memoir. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the one line he said was, you know, in, in terms of my future, I'll, I'll, you know, the one thing I'll say for sure is no more crime. Um, you know, and I don't know. I I asked him, you know, if he was going to be undergoing any sort of re- rehabilitation work or counseling. I mean, this, this is someone who, you know, was engaged in at a very young age in this um, hacking identity theft uh, ring with 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 Russian agents involved and so on, and he served time in the U.S. federal pen, which. I can't imagine he sort of underwent any therapy or rehabilitation there, and now he's in Canada and there's a free man with no conditions. So I asked him, you know, he, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't go there. He wouldn't say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be involved in the in any sort of program to to help get me in the straight and narrow or engage in training or go back to school. He didn't. He, he just wouldn't go there. So again, I, I don't know what he has. Uh, he's planned. Uh, you know, uh, he, he did allow. When you know, my story ran online and he messaged me to say that uh, at first, you know, he, he couldn't read the story because he had to pay. To, 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 to read the story in the paywall, and then he wrote back hmm. and said, "Oh, actually, you know what? I figured I figured out a way around it." And I thought well, maybe, <laughs> something, <laughs> maybe something never changed. Uh, oh man, he, he's ripped off your paywall. What does that say? <laughs> oh man, if he can't do it, I don't know who can. I guess. Yeah, that's uh, a guy. Yeah, maybe that's a compliment, John. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> John Wells has been with us, uh, investigative reporter with the Hamilton Spectator. The article today: No more crime. Ancaster's Kareem Baratov out of U.S. federal prison and plans to publish memoir. John, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. Great story. Take care, Scott. Thanks a lot. Forget about his two cents. Scott has an entire vault filled with opinions. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. All right. uh, uh, Obviously, vaccine certificates are in full swing as of September 22nd. October October 22nd, the digital uh, version comes out in Ontario. And you've heard of some businesses that are refusing to check the vaccination status of customers uh, for various reasons. Some saying it ain't my gig. Uh, One of them is the Harbour Diner, which is located at 486 James Street North in the Hammer. To find out the other side of this story and their perspective, let's bring in Jenna Graham, owner of Harbour Diner, and with us now. Jenna, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. So uh, thanks for coming on to talk about this. What's your position? What's your perspective on all of this? Where, where do you stand at Harbour Diner? Um, we at the Harbour Diner are, are all for keeping people safe. I'd like to get that out there straight. Some people are saying that we're being inconsiderate, that we're, we're not taking people's health and safety into consideration. Um, we 100% are. Uh, we just don't feel that it's necessary for us to ask you whether or not you've uh, gotten jabbed or not. Uh, why do you think that? Why do you know? Obviously, um, and, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, Jenna. Eighty-five uh, percent are vaccinated. It's the way to go. We've certainly seen what happens when you don't. Why would you just not want to participate like everybody else is, Jenna? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, like it's not that we don't want to participate. I just don't feel it's my job to. My job is to cook food for people. Um, you know, I take names and phone numbers down for contact tracing. I just don't feel that it is my job to go further into the rabbit hole. If the government wants this done, they can come and do it. We're already doing so much of the legwork for them. Um, they've rolled out something that hasn't really been well thought out altogether, and now they want us to enforce it so that way we look like the bad guy. It, we're, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to be a scapegoat. I, it, it's yeah. not happening. Uh, what what is um, how is this different from then showing your Costco card before you go in Costco or showing ID before you get into a bar or or I mean, any well, of that? What's of all, different? Costco is a paid membership. Like that's completely different than this. I'm not paying to join the vaccination club. Like that's you know this is that's that's irrelevant with Costco. Now, in order to show your ID for a bar, that's that's a law that's been in effect. It may like an age of a majority card. So you have to be of a legal age. Like you wouldn't obviously send your 12-year-old kid into the bar and expect them to get in, like, that's just ridiculous. The comparison is none in the same. These are laws that have been in effect for a particular reason, obviously. You know, like, and this is, I, I get it, but what was wrong with the last 18 months? Why now? And why so, so unorganized? It, it's not organized, and they want us to do this, and it, it's just, it's not right. Like, I, I refuse to pick and choose between customers that are already cut in half because of the seating inside. So is it, what is the main concern for you? Is it that it's your job to do this? Is that you, it's, it's you think business. it's not, you think it's not fair? It's none of your business. It's, so 
Yeah. It's none of my business. I, I personally, it's like your sexual preference. It's none of my business. I, it really isn't. You want to come and eat? That's my business. That is that is that is what I got into business to do. I didn't get into business to check medical documents. I'm not a doctor. If I wanted to be a doctor, I would have gone to med school. I didn't. I I want to be a you know a business owner of a restaurant. I want to feed people. I don't I don't care whether or not you know you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. You're you know you're you're gay. You're straight. Your race, whatever. Your religion. It's it's about food for me. Well, I, I don't know. know. You know, Jenna. Right away, using the gay or straight thing is kind of like me using the Costco thing. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know I, what I, I understand mean? that. But it's, uh, it's, it's so. Let me ask people, you this: right? are, are are you are you fully vaccinated? Can I ask you that? Uh, that's none of your business, just like it's not my business whether or not you okay. are. I am, by the way, but I'm just asking, and I get it. I, I, I understand your position. So um, so uh, you're not willing to tell whether you're fully vaccinated for the same reason you don't want to ask other people if they're being vaccinated. Yeah, it's, it's really accurate? none of my business. It really is not any of my business. What about your responsibility as a business owner, as anybody who's, uh, you know, citizenry? I mean, it's no different. Is it any different than mandatory vaccinations for your kids going into school? Obviously, it's been determined by science and health that this is one of those mandatory vaccines that we need. Uh, well, it, it, it's not effective, uh, allegedly, because if people have to get two doses, then a booster, like now in Israel, they're up to, what, four doses of this vaccine that's so useful, as opposed to these measles, mumps, rubella ones that have been tested over years and years. This is, this is you know, this is two years fresh, and you're, you're telling me I'm supposed to put, like, put put this as, you know, something that's going to save the world right now. I, I'm not sure I, you know, I'm not sure I buy into it. Not that I'm saying anything along that lines. This is not about whether or not the vaccine works or not. If it works, there shouldn't be an issue of vaccinated people and unvaccinated people being together in a restaurant. Well, the problem is, is the unvaccinated people are clogging up the ICUs. That's the issue. It's become a pandemic of the unvaccinated. You can't honestly tell me that there are not fully vaccinated people in the ICU either. They're not sick. No, no, there are a couple of. No, no, Jenna, you're stretching it now. Yeah. Call Hamilton Health Sciences and ask how many vaccinated people are in the ICU. Are you telling me that CHCH News, every time they say, you know, there's five people in ICU who are fully vaccinated, they're full of. Now? No, I'm not me? saying that at all. There are fully vaccinated people who come down with the virus, but the vast majority of them do not end up but in you hospitals. Just said they're not in the ICU, so you're telling me that fully vaccinated people I, are not clogging up the ICU. I'm not. I'm not here to fight with you about how the vaccine or whatnot works. This is not about that. This is about me checking passports. I think it's about you not buying it, Jenna. I really think that's what it is, and I think you're using the excuse no, not, that you I'm don't want to search anybody I'm for it. No, I'm not pro-vax. I'm not anti-vax. I am pro-food and I am pro-customers. And the fact of the matter is the government has always already cut half of my business down because of the capacity they're allowing inside. And now they want me to only pick between half of my customers, half of which are vaccinated, half of which are not. And I, I don't want to play this game anymore. The slice of my pie is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And at the end of the day, after Doug Ford promised to help us people out in the service industry, he's not. He's giving us more work and less benefits. So I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not doing the government's legwork on a shoddy thrown together vaccination passport. So uh, it's not your responsibility, uh, even though you get a piece of this pie. What pie am I getting a piece of? More work pie? I, I love more work pie. Please, can I have more work pie and less benefits here? Like I said, they're making us do more work for less customers. Now so I this is so this is customers who are not vaccinated that they can't eat in my establishment. I'm sorry for your 20 years of patronage, sir. I can no longer allow you in here because you chose not to get vaccinated. How is this? How is this right? You so this correct? for you for you this is about your piece of the pie, not the science. No, I don't. I don't care about the science. I don't care whether or not somebody is vaccinated or not. Is what I'm saying. I care about the end of the day, my business, and my business. I, I, I think on that's customers. the problem. I think that's the problem, Jenna. Is the word I don't care about the science. I think that's what people have a hard time with. But I respect your opinion, and I thank you very much for taking the time to come on. Uh, Jenna Graham's been with us, owner of the Harbor Diner, and it is at 486 James Street North in the Hammer. Some of the small businesses refusing to. Uh, 
check the vaccine status of their customers. As you can imagine, the phone lines are burning up. It's Hamilton Today. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, we just had uh, the owner of the Harbor Diner on uh, 46 James Street North talking about her reason for uh, not enforcing the vaccine uh, certificate program. I got a couple of emails here. Dave says that's one restaurant I'll ever go to. The area her establishment is is in is only 55% vaccinated. The owner of this business, unfortunately, is uninformed and very far away from being credible. Sad. To which Dan says, are you kidding me? That woman has just killed her business on the air. She proved uh, herself to be, uh, like the rest of the anti-vaxxers, selfish. Uh, let's go to the phone line. Stacy's on the line. Stacy, your thoughts? Hello? Hi, Stacy. Go ahead. Oh, hey. Uh, just wanted to say I am a registered nurse that works at Hamilton Health Sciences, and I just wanted to clarify that at our ICU, we have no vaccinated patients. That's an interesting point because we had heard that some people who had been vaccinated had tested positive, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're into the hospital, does it? Exactly. It could mean that their symptoms are far less. Um, I personally have heard of one person that has been admitted not to the ICU, but again, that's much different than the third wave. All right. So no ICUs. Uh, ICU has no one in it that has been uh, fully vaccinated. All right. Thank you for the call, Stacy. Much appreciated. Let's bring in Ned. Ned, your thoughts? Hey, buddy. Uh, I think the lady didn't articulate herself very well. Obviously, she cares about people's health, and obviously, she cares yep. about her customers in the community. Yep. So her saying that, it was her passion was rolling. But what I think she's trying to say, because I was in business before, and I'll get to that in a second, but what she's trying to say is not her job to be policing and enforcing and doing that. Just like walking into a grocery store, it shouldn't be the grocery store or uh, Home Depot. I just came from Home Depot or Lowe's. I walked in with a mask on, no problem, like, like I'd walk into a restaurant. I guess what I'm saying here is years ago I had a billiard hall, and the government uh, came in with no smoking rules. And uh, there were two variety stores below me, and Asians and people came in would be smoking, and I'd say, you can't smoke. I'd get a $2,500 fine if you're smoking. But they'd say, oh, we're going to the casino because we can smoke for three more years. The government had a billboard above my building saying, come to the casino, smoking's allowed for three more years. So I guess what she's expressing is the hypocrisy or the inconsistency. You know, initially the vaccine was for one vaccine, and one company said it's a we have a double shot. Now they all Yeah, but you know shot. what, Ned? I'm not going down that line about it, what they said and what they didn't say. The truth of the matter is this is an evolving pandemic. So don't give me crap that we were given a year ago and complain about it now. Well, that on, is progress. On. That's it. But I'm going to let you go, Ned. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go on to another caller. Uh, so, yeah, the story does evolve. But guess what? Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. So do your thing. Do your part. Do your part. Everyone else is dealing with the exact same thing that this person is dealing with. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Hello? Hi, Tyler. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to try to make this quick. What the unvaccinated people and the anti-vaxxers don't seem to realize is they can go, they can go into a restaurant and like they want to go into a restaurant with people that are vaccinated. The problem is the the unvaccinated aren't protected like the vaccinated are. So you're in an enclosed space and they have a potential of getting sick and again, filling up our ICUs. The people that are vaccinated can still get sick, but they can also carry it. So the thing is, we have we have to realize that by keeping them out of places like that, like restaurants and, and whatnot, we're actually protecting them. Yeah, good point. That's a good point. Thanks, Tyler, for the call. Much appreciated. We got time for one more. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Tony, what are your thoughts? Hello. Right. Yeah, go ahead, Tony. Well, I, I, I like that lady. She was, she was really powerful. And uh, a lot of things are, I'm, I had to be vaccinated, but I took an awful lot of time before I did. And I researched a, a lot of it, and uh, I was go- uh, I did patronize a, a, a restaurant, and last week when the rules changed, I couldn't go into it, but I'd pr- uh, patronized it for over eleven years. Now I'm ostracized. Now I uh, did my my look, and uh, I agree with her that it's not her job. Uh, and like most people, I guess, I'm getting tired of telling the, uh, the government, telling you, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, or we want this done and we want that done, and you have to accommodate the, the government. 
I got your point, Tony. Thanks for the call. Much appreciated. I want to squeeze another one in. Another Tony. Your thoughts? Yes, yeah, Scott. I just wanted to say I just came back from a business trip um, in Quebec. Went out for lunch and dinner various times. I'm fully vaccinated. We had absolutely no problem. They're more than receptive in handling the whole passport thing. Everybody was on board. Everybody was cooperative. It was a beautiful thing to see. Everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's being very careful. I don't know why we have such a problem handling stuff like this here in Ontario, and there's so much opposition. As far as that Harbor restaurant's concerned, I'm fully vaccinated. I don't want to go there if they're not uh, obeying the uh, the regulations and, and putting me at risk if, if they're not checking uh, their clientele. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Much appreciated. 557. We've still got more calls. Maybe we'll take this up again tomorrow on Hamilton Today. If you're all about drama and gossip, well, this isn't for you. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. All right, as we've been reporting, uh, the last of the 39 miners in that trapped uh, mine outside of Sudbury have been brought to the surface, uh, which is good news all around. And to talk, uh, talk more about all of this, Mike Drolet is with us, Global National Correspondent with Global News. You can uh, find out more on this on Global News tonight. He is with us now. Mike, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks, Mike. Uh, update here: all 39 are out. Are they all okay? Were there any health issues whatsoever? No health issues. Uh, it is amazing. I mean, when you think about these these things and how terrifying they can be, because just you know, it's just the inherent nature of of the mining industry. Where I mean, it's dangerous. It is a very dangerous industry to go a kilometer or more underground and, and use explosives. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be uh, problems. And they've had their share of, uh, of tragedies up in the Sudbury area. Um, and fortunately, they, they averted one here. They uh, avoided it completely because um, all 39 men who, they were never trapped, by the way. They were, they always had a second, uh, like an escape route to be able to get out. Right. It just, they didn't really want to take that escape route because it really wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't anything that anybody wanted to do because it wasn't a, a good route. But uh, they always had that option to be able to get out. And, and yeah, there are no, there were no injuries, so uh, it ended up being uh, a good news story. Uh, what was the or is the record of the mine? Is there a history of this? Do they got a pretty good record? Anything there we can we can decipher? No, it's it's interesting. The the guy who was the head of the mines there, um, he was talking about this, and he said he goes, you know, well, you know, with my history with this, and he goes, actually, well, I have no history with this because they had never had this sort of situation at this mine. Yeah. This mine was was uh, built in like 2014. It was a relatively new mine. Uh, it's got like a 20-year lifespan that's left, I believe, is from what I've read, and uh, uh, it's it's a newer mine, and um, they've they've been successful so far. I mean, they really work on making sure that they have these uh, these, these uh, contingency plans in place, and this time it worked. I mean, they had all the rescue personnel; they had uh, you know uh, they were trained for just this situation. And uh, they did their jobs, and they came through. And the last guy came through like 4.45 a.m. this morning. And do we know anything about the age of the men? And did it take longer to get the last ones out, it seemed? It, it did take longer to get the last ones out. Um, don't know about the ages of them. Uh, we know that there's some of them were, uh, some of the younger ones were the ones that came out yesterday they came out early in the day yesterday they were either not very low in the mine not very deep in the mine or they were just in in that much better shape that they were able to climb up these ladders because the only way out was through this very narrow sort of egress uh and it was if if you're wearing a backpack you'd probably be scraping the other side with it Mm. and just up these ladders and there's every six meters or so there was a place to rest and it just was time and they had to some of these guys had to climb out the equivalent of uh, two and a half CN towers, like 1,200 meters, uh, straight up. It's, it's pretty wild to think of. Um, so yeah, no, and we uh, fortunately um, they all did get out, and, uh, and and none of them, none of them were really sick. But the reason that some of them were a little bit slower was because uh, they just weren't in as great a health as some of the other, younger ones. And what about the event that caused this? Do we know any more? From what we understand, it was some sort of bin that was used to transport material that had blocked the shaft. What do we know about the event that started this? 
Yeah, well, this happened on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, if you know anything about mine, mines have, like, this one main shaft that goes down. And they have an elevator or a cage that uh, that runs up and down. It transports miners up and down to transports, and it also carries all the equipment up and down. And when they have large equipment like this, and this was a, a bucket, like one of those big uh, construction front-end loader things where they, the big scooper bit, uh, mm-hmm. that's it. It was the, the bucket that was being transported underneath this elevator and it's a huge one it's able to carry seven yards of dirt so you can imagine how large it was uh and whatever it was it was attached to broke and it just started at it started dropping it happened at about the uh, the 200 meter mark um and the 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 mine shaft itself is about 1200 meters and the thinking was the thought was when they when we heard about this that it actually fell all the way down but it didn't it actually because it was so huge it caromed off the side, uh, the sides of this uh, mine shaft, and mm. it became lodged only about uh, about uh, another hundred feet or thirty meters below where it actually detached. Uh, it did a lot of damage, but it could have done a lot more. Um, still, they're looking at a situation now where uh, I mean, they have to find a way to get this thing un- like unlodge this thing yeah. and be able to pull it up so it doesn't do any more damage. I mean, they could be looking at. Uh, at months where before it, it's fixed. Uh, so obviously this mine is closed now. What happens to the workers moving forward? Uh, time off, counseling, or is it just back to work for them? Well, they can't go back to work because the mine yeah. shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's indefinite. Nobody is allowed down until they figure out what happened. But the, the miners certainly have days off right now, and they're going to be seeing, they have to go get medical checkups to make sure that they're fine. I mean, they were underground for 72 hours. Uh, it, I mean, they had food and water brought to them, um, and they had to do this this amazing climb. So, you know, physically, they they believe that those, they're going to be okay. Um, they're going to be. They do say that they're going to be doing mental health checkups. You know, six months from now to make sure that there is nothing sort of uh, you know that's going to follow them around. Um, but you know, for now, they they seem okay. And I asked the question though uh, to the mine the mining company. Well, there's a lot of there were some contractors and some full-time miners working for the country uh, for the company. Um, will they commit to paying them? And, you know, in this time mm. between you know this this thing happened and they're back to work, and they said that's something that they were going to look at, and but it was still really early because they're just really. I mean, this was 4:45 in the morning. We were talking to them at, at 10:30, and mm-hmm. they said it was still so fresh that they hadn't really given it a lot of thought, which. I don't necessarily believe that because it is a business and, and mining business. They, they, they think they're thinking about all this stuff already. Um, but uh, it's certainly something that um, somebody else, one of the mining people came up to me uh, who wasn't an executive, came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for asking that question. Yeah, because interesting. It'll be fa- yeah, it'll yeah, be fascinating to hear what the answer on. to that is. Absolutely. Mike Drolet with us, Global National. Make sure you're watching Global News tonight for more on all of this great news, all 39 out of that mine in Sudbury, uh, but still some investigation to be had. Mike, thanks for the time. Be well. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. That is a wrap for us. Thanks for listening. As always, greatly appreciated. Thanks to Ted and Lisa and Will for producing today. As always, we leave it to you. The customer, well, kind of, to step up on top of the CHML soapbox and have the last word. In this case, I believe it belongs to the owner of the Harbor Diner. No, I don't, I don't care about the science. I don't care whether or not somebody is vaccinated or not, is what I'm saying. Oh.